Welcome to the Islands Christian Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening with us today. You can worship with us in person in Savannah, Georgia, or with our live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast to hear a new message every Monday. Thanks for listening. So we're in this series called Christmas List, in which we have been looking at a list of things that believers, people who claim to follow Jesus, uh, should and ought to have in their lives. And so today, uh, uh, we're going to unpack what I believe uh, is an important concept for Christians to know and understand if you're a believer. So if you're not a believer in the room or online listening to this right now, and you don't really buy into the story of Jesus, and you don't really believe the whole thing about the gospel, and you think it's all made up, I'm hoping to, to make you think a little bit. Because I'm hoping to challenge some of your notions about the world and your worldview. But if you are a believer, if you do follow Jesus, what I'm hoping to do this morning is to make a case for why it's important that you and I every day pursue living an ethical Christian life where we follow Jesus and we live the way he called us to live. Why it matters. How we live matters. Our ethical standards matter. And I'm going to hopefully make an argument for that with you today, if you're a believer. Now, uh, a lot of times Christianity is seen as just an identity that we assume. Like, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I'm a Georgia fan. Hey, I'm a Rangers fan. Hey, I'm, you know, I, I like to sow. Whatever it is you're thinking. Like, we just kind of, hey, I'm a Christian. And the Bible doesn't present Christianity like that. The Bible presents Christianity like an entire surrender of self to Jesus as Lord and Master and King. And so the Bible says that that Christianity and following Jesus is a, a whole heart, a whole life thing. Not just a compartment, not just a part of who we are. Uh, you, if you're a Christian, have surrendered your life to Jesus. And what's happening is the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, moved inside of you and the Holy Spirit's working out a process and he is changing you and shaping you and forming you little by little. And some of us, it's so little by little, we barely notice it. But he's changing us little by little. And the hopes is that if we live to be old men and old women, and if we follow Jesus for a long time, that by the end of our lives, we will be more like Jesus than when we started following Jesus. That's, that's, that's what Christianity is. That's what it looks like. And so, um, today, what I want us to do is I want us to start by looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, which is a passage that we looked at last week. And I want to point out something to you in this passage that maybe you've never noticed before. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And this is what the Bible says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. Good news. That will cause great joy. Everybody say great joy. Great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, the angels came to the shepherds. We talked about this a little last week. The angels came to the shepherds uh, with the birth 
of Jesus. And they said to them, we're bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Now, it didn't say we're bringing you good news that will cause great joy to everyone who comes to eventually believe in Jesus. It doesn't say, uh, I'm, I'm giving you good news that will cause great joy uh, for everyone who eventually goes to church. It doesn't say that. The angels are declaring that the coming of Christ and the good news of his arrival is a cause for joy for the whole world, whether those who believe in him and surrender to him eventually, or those who don't and who deny him and who say, I want nothing to do with Jesus. What the angels are proclaiming is that still for them, those who want nothing to do with Jesus, who do not believe in him, even for them, his coming is good news. Did you, did you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? That, that it's good news for the world of even people who deny Christ and don't want to have anything to do with him. It's still a cause for great joy for them. Now, listen, the, the birth of the Savior is definitely good news for those of us who have been saved. For sure. Like, we believe that we've been saved from our sins, saved from the wrath of God, and that we are going to live eternally with Him. But it's also good news for the world today. Because even those who reject Jesus Christ benefit from His coming. They benefit from the good news. They benefit from the good, the great joy. Because here's why. Jesus came teaching people how to live ethically, morally good lives. He set the standard of what is ethically, morally good. In other words, Jesus didn't come saying, hey, you need to jump through you know, this many hoops and you need to go take a trek to this city and then you'll be saved. No, Jesus said, hey, you are saved through me, through faith in me. And then because you're saved through me, this is now what your life looks like. It now looks like God. And so the message of Christianity is that Christians live a radical ethic informed by their faith. Now, follow my argument. So the more Christians there are who are living by Jesus's standard of an ethical morality, the more Christians there are living by Jesus's standard, the world would be a better place. Did anybody want to say that's probably true? So if the more, so in other words, if, if we could take, if we could take just the entire city of Savannah, 350,000 people in the metro area of Savannah, roughly. And we made them all, not only just believers in Jesus who went to church and looked down their nose at people who don't go to church. I'm not talking about that version of Christianity, okay? I'm talking about the version of Christianity where it's believers in Jesus who say the teachings of Jesus matter and the way Jesus calls me to live matters and I'm going to follow Jesus. If we took 350,000 people and we said, hey, all of us are going to follow Jesus. We're all going to pursue. Now, we're not going to be perfect. That's not possible. But we're going to pursue the character of God in our everyday lives. Do you think Savannah would make the news in a few months? You see, this... This is the thing. This is why the coming good news of the Savior was great joy for all people. See, here's, here's the deal. If you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you don't buy into it. I get it. I get it. 
But you probably, along with most of the world right now, agree with most of the Christian ethic. Even non-believers agree with most of the Christian ethic. Now, they don't know it's the Christian ethic that they appreciate. They, they, they do appreciate the Christian ethic. They don't know it's Christian. And not only do they appreciate it, they strive to live by the Christian ethic. Again, they don't know it's Christian. And they think the world would be better if everyone strived to live by this ethic. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the world, non-believers, you if you're in the room, I'm not saying you're crazy about everything in the Christian ethic. Because let's be honest, the Christian sexual ethic right now is not particularly popular. Did it get weird and awkward for you guys? But it's not. Because in our culture, the, the prevailing sexual ethic is anything goes. Whatever makes you feel good. But in the, Christian, the Christians, the Scripture's sexual ethic is God has created a standard by which He calls us to live our lives. Not only does, does that standard glorify Him, but it protects us. So outside of the, the sexual ethic, Everything else about the Christian moral ethic, if you're a non-believer with most of the world, you appreciate and even strive for that ethic. You may not even be a Christian, but you attempt to live by the Christian ethic because the Christian ethic has so permeated the world, so much so that most people, including you, if you're a skeptic, just think that it's the result of some societal evolutionary process. You don't even realize that the ethic that you so desire and so appreciate and wish everybody lived by, you don't even realize that it has its foundation in the scriptures. It has its foundation in the teachings of Jesus. You just think, well, that's just kind of how we evolved as a society. But there was a time in history when the Christian ethic was not the prevailing ethical standard that people pursued. So let's talk about the virtues of the Christian ethic that people appreciate and even aspire to. If you're not a believer, not a Christian, listen to me carefully. Because if you believe in morality without believing God, without believing in God, in other words, if you believe in an ethical morality without believing in a God, you have a faith system that you have yet to identify. Because without a God, there is no such thing as a morality or an ethical standard. It can be whatever you want it to be. So just be honest with yourself for a second. If you're like, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't buy it all. But then you say, well, we ought to be honest with each other. We ought not lie. Based on what? Who cares? So what's your faith system? What is it that you're putting your faith in that's telling you that we ought not lie? As Christians, we know what it is. We have a God who only speaks truth and a Savior who's commanded us to tell the truth. So we know what our faith system is. If you're claiming to be a non-believer and believe there's nothing in the world, you know, no, no God, no, you're an atheist, like what's your faith system for why we should be honest? So let's, let's talk for a minute about these Christian ethics that, that even non-believers appreciate and aspire to, but they themselves don't even approve of Christianity. Um. Generosity. It's Christmas time, man. Generosity. Prior to Christ, generosity was not something praised as a trait that we ought to aspire to. That's, 
It's hard for us to imagine a world where generosity wasn't like something we ought to be. But believe it or not, there's a, there's a time in history where people just thought if you were generous, you were a fool. Patience. I just saw a post recently. Have you seen this? Be patient with your barista this holiday season. Have y'all seen that? The friend who posted it, I happen to know, is not a believer. I so badly wanted to comment, why? Give me some reason why. Well, it's just being a decent human. Hey, don't try to put your idea of what a decent human is on me. You have your definition of a decent human. I have my definition of a decent human. And my decent human wants his, you know, whole milk latte in 45 seconds. And they better hustle up. They're getting paid, right? Gentleness. Gentle people were not considered uh, somebody you would uh, look up to before the Christian ethic took the world by storm. Kindness. Love of your neighbor. Service to strangers. Faithfulness to your spouse. Honesty. Do you guys see what I'm doing here? These are, let's look, these, are Christ, these are ethics, these are moral ethics that have at their underpinning, their foundation, the Scriptures and the Teacher Jesus. And so while you may appreciate things like generosity, patience, gentleness, kindness, love of neighbors, service to strangers, faithfulness to your spouse, you know, honesty, you may appreciate all those things. You have yet to identify your faith system as to why you think they're true you're not a believer. Because we know that they come from the God who made the world, the creator of heaven and earth. We know that he's established these things. Now, if you're in the room and you're thinking, oh, Stephen, this this isn't true. People in Christianity and Christians didn't invent these virtues. I didn't say that. Don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say we invented them. I mean, the ancient Greek philosophers were talking about these virtues long before Christianity came along. I mean, they they wrote about them extensively. You know what their biggest problem with trying to figure out morality and virtues? And you can go read Plato and, and all these other ancient Greek philosophers. You know what their biggest struggle was? Is trying to figure out the motive or the reason why somebody would live this moral way. <laughs> they kept holding. You know what? You know what? Many of them finally arrived at to why we should live a moral life because it would make you happy. Mm, I don't know, bro. I think keeping all my money makes me happy. So, so I'm not saying Christianity invented uh, these moral ethics. Uh, we didn't invent the moral standards. But Christianity did do this. Christianity codified them in our faith system because the founder of our faith modeled these standards. And then he said, Follow me and do what I do. So let me say that again. We didn't invent these moral ethical standards, but Christianity did codify this way of living into our faith system because our teacher and founder, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, lived this way, put this out as an example for us, and then said to us, live as I have told you to live. Live like I live. So, while the ancient Greeks, as well as modern philosophers, struggle to find a reason why we even should live a moral, you know, a moral upstanding lives, Christianity instead holds out Christ as our king, 
our leader, our commander, who says, if you love me, you will follow me. And so what motivates me to follow Jesus isn't, well, I better be good. And because if I'm not good, Jesus won't love me, won't, won't save me. I, I don't want, no. What motivates me to follow Jesus is that I love him. So at the root of my ethical, moral life that I'm pursuing isn't I'm trying to go to heaven or I hope God accepts me. At the root of my ethical, moral life where I'm trying to live an ethically, moral, upstanding life is I love Jesus. I love him. And he loves me. So the foundation of my pursuit of of a moral lifestyle isn't I better be good because I don't want to go to hell. No, at the foundation of it is I am a loved being known by name and chosen by him and I have been called to love him. And because of my love for him, I follow him. And so I'm not saying we invented these moral ethics. I'm saying that Christianity codified them in our faith system and made them the norm in a society Listen to me carefully. We, Christians, made these ethical standards, non-believers like, we made these the norm in society. Does that make sense? You're arguing with me in your head. I'm going to keep going. And if you think I'm wrong, just let me say this real quick. If you think I'm wrong about the world at large appreciating Christian ethics, if you think that, oh man, Stephen, they don't, people don't really appreciate honesty and generosity and, and, uh, they don't really think gentleness and kindness is all that big of a deal. Let me just push back on you by asking you this question. What is the season we're in right now? What is this holiday? Okay, what are the words and the taglines and the things that people are saying all through Christmas? That we, we need goodwill towards men and peace on earth. You, you see that? Now listen, you can walk in a mall Okay, it's the most non-Christian place in the world. And they're going to have a big banner up that says, goodwill towards men and peace on earth. And I'm like, says who, bruh? Says who? Which I'm like, just can we talk about the hypocrisy of this moment? Because anyway, I don't want to get into too many geopolitical issues because I could go on for days. But, But let's be honest, at Christmas time, everybody's talking about, you know, kindness and being patient to your barista and, and, you know, and, and being uh, goodwill towards men and having joy and cheer. And everyone's kind of holding out these standards. You know, let's be generous. Toys for tots, right? Let's be generous. I was getting my hair cut, um, I don't know, one day last week. And I was at a barbershop, great barbershop. I won't say, their, say its name, but uh, it's a great barbershop, cool place. I, nobody in there was a Christian. It was clear. And you can guess why it was clear. And so... Um, but the guy who owns the shop and I got to talking, and he said, uh, he said, you know, uh, man, we just we got this Toys for Tots thing, Tots thing going, and we got a, you know, we're getting toys for kids, and I've I've been put like X amount of toys in there, and, and I got customers bringing toys, and you know, we're just, man, it's just so cool to like, that's what this is all about. This whole season's about just serving others and giving to others. I mean, it was everything I could to not go, why, why do you think that? But I didn't because I the first time I met him. And I thought, I'll do that later, right? <laughs> if you, you cut my hair and you talk to me, don't ask me a question. Because <laughs> it's on, son. He asked me what I do for a living. I said, all right, you, you're going to get everything you deserve. <laughs> but see, he's not thinking critically about it. 
And, nobody, and, and you're not either. If you're, if you're sitting here today, you're not a believer, you're listening online, you're not a Christian, you're not, be honest, you're not thinking critically about it. You're like, goodwill towards men and peace on earth, being generous is what this season's all about. Why? Answer that question without uttering anything about God. Well, man, society, don't force your version of society onto me. Your version of society is no more valid than mine. See, even people who don't believe in Jesus or appreciate the gospel, they appreciate the ethic of Christianity, the morals of Christianity, without even knowing that those ethical standards come from our teacher and our leader, Jesus. They don't even know it. You see, they want Jesus' teachings without Jesus' lordship. They want Jesus' teachings without Jesus' lordship. You see, here's what happened. Um, Christianity, when it began, with the resurrection of Christ, if you get up out of the grave, news spreads. It like goes around fast. Okay, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he was seen by 500. He ate with people. You know, two generations later, uh, you know, grandmothers were telling their granddaughters, oh, I was eight years old and I saw him. I was there. Like Christianity spread like crazy, not because his teachings were amazing, although they were, but Christianity spread like crazy because he actually resurrected from the dead. And that news spread fast. And what happened is, with the news of Jesus' resurrection spreading fast, the adoption of Christianity became very popular around the Roman Empire, which was the largest empire in the world at the time. It became very popular in the Roman Empire, this message of Christianity, because it promised life after death, because it had seen Jesus resurrect. So with the message of resurrection and the adoption of Christianity all over the Roman Empire in the first century, something else happened. As Christians began to... Uh, Christianity began to spread like crazy in these Roman cities and in these Roman villages and all over the Mediterranean. What happened was Christians who believed in the resurrection that they were going to live forever, they also lived by the standards of their Savior Jesus. And that was completely new for the Roman Empire. And all of a sudden, a group of people began to live by things, live by, uh, things like generosity and kindness and patience and, you know, and loving strangers. And that was not the norm in the Roman Empire. Like, this was crazy. Like, the Roman Empire was kind of known for cutthroat and, you know, the strong win and whoever lose. Too bad you lose. Like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And so all of a sudden, you had these gentle people, and they began to care for the sick and take care of people, and Christianity spread like crazy. Okay, so if you're kind of a skeptic, uh, this is an interesting little tidbit, a little boring history. I promise I won't bore you too long with this. Um, I, I'm going to tell you how fast Christianity spread. This is how fast Christianity spread. We know that in 64 AD, Rome, about half of the city of Rome burned to the ground. Rome's kind of a big deal, okay? 64 AD, about half of the city burned to the ground. That's 30 years roughly after Jesus' death. All right, 30 years roughly after Jesus' resurrection in, guess what city? Jerusalem. So we have the city of Rome and the city of Jerusalem. 64 AD, 
30 years or so after the resurrection, Rome burns to the ground. Do y'all know who the emperor Nero blamed? What group of people? Anybody want to guess? Christians. He blamed Christians. Anybody want to guess how many miles were between Jerusalem and Rome? Anybody want to throw a wild guess how many miles are between these two cities? Just throw out a number. Any number. Jason, throw out a number. Anybody, another number. Jennifer, throw out a number. 2,200 miles. 2,200 miles. Now listen, it takes me a week. It'd probably take us two weeks to drive. To drive 2,200 miles. Drive it. These people had camels and horses and Ike and Mike. Like this is how they got around back then, right? This, so I want you, look, 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 look. Christianity was so big in the city of Rome, the largest city of the world. Christianity was already so big in the city of Rome. The population of Christians was so large that 30 years after the resurrection, 2,200 miles away, when Nero needed a scapegoat, it was Christians he chose. Christianity was spreading like wildfire. Crazy. It spread quickly. And this is why. Because of the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And these people then begin to live lives by the Christian ethic. And their lives by the Christian ethic was a stark contrast to the then accepted Western ethic of the time. In other words, the Roman world did not live with generosity and goodness to all men and peace for the world. That was, that was weakness and pathetic, and that would get you stabbed. Like, that, that is not something that people aspired to. Christianity all of a sudden brought those ethics to the Roman world. And we see this in the second and the third centuries in the Roman Empire. So about 140 to 240 years after the burning of Rome, the, the Roman Empire suffered three significant pandemics. We know a thing or two about pandemics, right? They suffered three significant pandemics. One of those pandemics was similar to our modern disease called Ebola. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's not a good thing. That Ebola-like pandemic in Roman Empire lasted a decade. Ten years. People were dying a gruesome death. During those pandemics, Christians became known, Christians, Jesus followers, became known by not only the population, but also the governments to be people who served and nursed the sick back to health. And those they could not nurse back to health, they would bury and give a, a good burial to instead of their, because the Romans were just throwing their bodies in a heap. They were serving and nursing the sick. Many people survived because of their nursing. Some estimates by scholars think that they cut the death rate in half by simply doing nursing. Water, basic care, they cut the death rate in half. While the pagan Christian um, priests, the ones who tended to the Roman pagan temples, they were all running for the hills, scared for their lives. Christians stayed in the cities and they nursed not only other Christians, but also their persecutors, because state-sponsored persecution started by Nero after the fire was ongoing. So Christians nursed their persecutors back to health, sometimes at the cost of their own lives. They themselves died because they did this task. Some scholars believe that modern nursing as we know it today 
finds its roots in Christian action during the Roman pandemics. Isn't that cool? Like this is the power of Christianity. It was a stark contrast. And this became so well known in the Roman Empire that by the end of the 4th century, after this point, Christianity was no longer persecuted by the state. The Roman Empire Julian, Emperor Julian, he attempted to restore the polytheistic religions of the old Roman Empire. But this is what he said. He admonished and commanded that all the polytheistic pagans of the Romans, while they could worship their their gods of Rome, he commanded and admonished them to live lives like the Christian believers in Jesus. He said to them, he desired for his fellow pagans to emulate the Christians in their charities and work of mercy to others. Think about that. This was the power of the Christian ethic. It had taken the world by storm. You see, Christianity has... as as its very essence, an ethic of love, charity, sacrifice, and service. And when Christians are living this way, the world, the world notices. This is why at Christmas time, everyone's celebrating those ethics because they want them, they desire them. And prior to Christianity, this was not the norm in the world. It was not the norm. Now, let me just, a couple things to my, Skeptics, arguers online and in the room. I'm not suggesting that all Christians in all time and all places have done this well. Like, you could come up to me and be like, well, what about the, you know, and you could bring, what about the um, Salem witch trials? And what about the, um, you know, you're thinking of them right now. What about the Crusades? And what about the, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. Not everybody who's worn the name of Jesus has followed Jesus well. I get that. But just because they haven't followed him well, doesn't mean he's not blazing a good path. That's on them, not on him. I would, um, I would go as far to say this. Um, the ethical standards that most Western cultures desire today are commanded to us in the Christian faith. They're commanded They're not optional, they're commanded. And I'd even go a little further and argue this. These ethics we all desire and appreciate would probably not be valued on the level they are today in our culture if it were not for the advancement and the size of Christianity. Hence, the angel said, good news and great joy for all people. How many hospitals do you know that are named after a Catholic saint? I contend that because Christianity had at its root these Christian ethics and morals and because it spread so fast and so quickly based on the news of the resurrection that the world became a better place simply because Christianity and its moral standard and ethic was held out as what we should be and do. You see, the world has benefited from the good news of the gospel. Even if you don't believe it, you've benefited. 
If you've been to a hospital named, and even hospitals that are not named after a saint were oftentimes started by Christians. If you've been to a hospital, you most likely have benefited from some Christian in the past who said, we're going to start a hospital. You've benefited from a world being better because of the gospel. Things like justice, human dignity, equality, these are all rooted in our faith. So when the angel said uh, it would be good news and great joy for all people, this is what he meant. Justice, human dignity, equality. These are all things that Christians hold out as based in the scriptures and our faith holds sacred. So, what do we do with this now? Because let's be honest, our culture right now is wanting and desiring you know, peace and generosity and goodness and all these things. And they actually think Christians are bad for the world. <laughs> they don't even know that the things they want came from us. So what do we do now? We take our Christian ethic responsibility ruthlessly serious. We treat it like it matters every single day of our lives. That we pursue a life that honors Jesus. Not because he says, if you don't, I'm going to get you. But because we love him and he loves us. We take it seriously every single day if we claim to be a follower of Jesus. Listen to what Cyprian who was an early church leader in the third century during those pandemics. This was, a, this was a quote by Cyprian. Listen to what he said. It becomes us. That means it is fitting to us. It becomes us to answer to our birth. And it is not fitting that those who are evidently born of God should be degenerate. In other words, people who claim to be Christians ought not be degenerate. But rather that the propagation of a good father should be proved in his offspring by the emulation of his goodness. In other words, what he's saying is that, that the good father should be able to uh, prove himself to the world. Not by putting up a billboard at victory and skid away, hey, I'm a good father. That he ought to be able to prove himself to the world as a good father, not by painting it across the sky with, you know, Planes. He ought to be able to prove himself to the world as a good father by us, his sons and daughters, his offspring, who have been adopted into his family through faith in Jesus Christ, who've been brought into the family. He can prove his goodness to the world by our emulation or being like his goodness. He proves how good he is when we are like Jesus. So this is why we seek to live our lives with Christian ethics. Not so that God will accept us. No, that's not why. So that we can show the world that our Father is good. He's a good Father. He's full of justice and mercy and kindness. That He has at the root of Himself love. And so we want the world to, to see this good Father and we can't argue them into the faith, although I, I've made some arguments today. We can't argue them into the faith. We can, only, we can only live by the standards and the ethics that he's called us to live by. 
that he himself modeled for us and that he sent Jesus to come to earth. And when Jesus was here, he was the perfect representation of God. So if you want to know what God is like, look at the person Jesus. Listen to me, man. I'm telling you, at Christmas time, everybody's talking about these ethics and they want them so bad. But now listen to me. The world needs us to live these lives consistently throughout the year, not just at Christmas time. The world wants the Christian ethics of peace, love, kindness, and patience, selflessness, and generosity. They want that, and they want it for themselves, and they want it for the world. They want it to be the norm, and they don't even know why. what I'm telling you is if you will live it consistently and you will pursue it daily and I'm not saying you got to be perfect because I'm not perfect I lose my cool on people just like I I get it I'm not always patient I'm not always kind but if we'll pursue it and we'll chase it every day what I'm telling you is that eventually the people around you are going to want to know why you are so sacrificial why you're selfless, why you are kind, why you are gentle. They're going to want to know why. And Peter tells us to always be ready to give a defense for our faith. And they're going to ask you eventually, can you tell me like why you just can stay calm in these crazy situations? How is that? You say, well, I have a Savior who stays calm with me. I have a Savior who's already modeled this for me. And I just want to be like him. I'm just trying to be like him. And then finally, they will be able to get the answer to the way that they can have all the ethics that they've desired for themselves and for the world. And you know how they can have it? By surrendering their lives to Jesus and loving him and living from that place of love for him in the place of love from him to them. That's what's available to every single person sitting here right now. A love relationship with Jesus that will change everything. And it will be good news not only for those who believe it, but it will be good news even for those who don't believe it. Father, thank you for the early believers who who modeled it for us, who lived it, who showed us that uh, even if we die, let us die serving you. Even if we die, let us die modeling you. Thank you, God, for that beautiful truth. And so right now, Lord, I'm just praying for this community of believers. I'm praying for those online and those listening right now, those sitting in this room. I'm praying for us as believers that that we'll have the courage to follow Jesus every day of our lives. And then, Lord, I'm praying that, that that those of us who follow Jesus will realize that there's more at stake than we could ever imagine. 
and that we're safe and secure in your love, Father. You're, you're not calling us to live these moral, ethical lives to, you know, to somehow be accepted by you. You've already accepted us. You're calling us to live these moral, ethical lives because we're accepted by you, because we're loved by you. Help us to do it, Jesus. Help us to love you enough. And Lord, I pray for any skeptic, you know, anybody who's questioning Christianity and doesn't buy into this. Maybe you haven't even told anyone you don't buy into it. Maybe you're still telling people you believe in God and you know you don't believe in God. I pray, God, for them right now that you would just show them that their deepest desire that they have for their home, their family, their children, themselves, the world, their deepest desire that they have for all things to be right and for the peace to be over this world, their deepest desire is only found in your son, Jesus. Would you show them that? We know you can, Lord. We know you can. So will you do it? Please, will you do it? We love you and we thank you for everything. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.